I want parents when somebody goes, hey, what's your kid do? Oh, my kid's a pilot. And they puff out their chest. Yeah, we're proud of the pilots. Awesome. We need you. I fly around all the time. But I also want the parent next to them to go, well, what's your kid do? Puff out your chest. Oh, he's an engineer. He helped build that plane. I want people to be equally as proud of the doctors and the people who are making the medical devices. I want that awareness to grow so that we're proud of each other for what we do. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76 One of my favorite things about working with the manufacturing sector is seeing all the ways our clients shape the world around us. Everything you see that doesn't grow out of the earth was designed, engineered, and built by someone. My guest today is someone who's passionate about sharing all the good that engineering can do in this world. His passion and enthusiasm for both engineering and manufacturing is undeniable, and it's the type of energy we need to shed a positive light on this industry for the next generation. So on that note, let me introduce Tony Gunn. Tony Gunn is an avid world traveler, visionary, and all-around people person. Having traveled to over 50 countries around the world, he's transcended two-plus decades of engineering and manufacturing experience into a partnership with MTD CNC, the world's most popular machining channel, in an effort to create awareness for all the amazing products, people, and opportunities within the fascinating world where math, science, and creativity are baptized and immersed as one. Tony is an international best-selling author whose book went number one in seven countries under topics like self-help, personal transformation, and motivational growth. He's also the host of an exciting new podcast series, The Gun Show, where guests have the opportunity to share their stories with the world, which helps humanize an industry that's incredibly misunderstood. Tony has also applied his years of world travels and independent studies in order to create a natural healing company known for its one-of-a-kind combination of herbs, roots, and flowers, which help prevent, improve, and remove ailments of all kinds. Much of the profits from this company go to the well-being of people in need, the rehab of the earth, and innocent forgotten animals. Tony, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, brother. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. Well, we've kind of known each other. We've been kind of like in the same circles, I feel like in in LinkedIn, especially uh, a lot of common connections. And I'm always commenting on your posts and you on mine and stuff. And we didn't actually physically talk until about a month ago or so. So it's it's good to be having a real live conversation with with you here. Yeah, that's odd in the world we live in these days, right? We send each other text messages or emails or little LinkedIn messages, but we often fail to pick up the phone and go, hey, so that's what your voice sounds like. Awesome. You sound as great as you look, you know, that kind of thing, right? So yeah, we've known each other for quite a while. We're surrounded by a lot of the same influencers and and brilliant minds because you, similar to me, we like to surround ourselves with people that are smarter than ourselves so that we can learn something. And one of my favorite quotes is, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Get the hell out of there. I like that. 
for sure. Well, Tony, you know, when we talked, it was, you know, I, I, I picked you for as a possible, you know, candidate for this podcast because I see your content all the all the time on LinkedIn in particular. I think you've you've got 21,000 plus followers as of the last time I've checked, which is is pretty awesome. You've got a great platform for broadcasting a message and you share a lot of super interesting videos. I mean, like machines at work, also a lot of things that I want to get into a little later in this conversation, like things really interesting applications of engineering for the the greater good of humanity, frankly, and there's some cool examples I'll, I'll maybe mention in, in a bit, but you know, when I, when I had you in mind for the show, I'm like, Oh, let's talk about how, you know, using LinkedIn and, and some of the video content that you're curating and posting. And it wasn't until we had a conversation that I, I learned some of the stories from that kind of, of how you got to where you are today and some of the challenges you've been through. And so usually I say, Hey, why don't, you know, I usually tell my guests, why don't you talk a little bit about how you got here for a couple of minutes. I'm going to say, why don't you talk about how you got here for as long as you want to, because you've got a super interesting story to tell, I think, and would love for you to tell our listeners about how it's sort of shaped where, who and where you are today. Yeah, I'd absolutely love to. But to start, just let me say thank you for finding value in my LinkedIn page and, and in the posts. And I hope others do as well. It's certainly one of those, hopefully presented in a way that has very little to do with ego and very much to do with awareness. You know, I, I hope that it provides people a platform to see something they haven't seen before or feel inspired to want to be a part of an industry where they didn't realize, you know, some pieces are being created. You know, oftentimes we don't put two and two together to go, oh man, my, you know, my best friend, he just came back, you know, he's a, a military vet. He just came back and he had a horrific accident, you know, thank you for the service type of thing, but he's missing a limb. Holy crap. I didn't realize that being an engineering means I can help that limb come back in some sort of bionic and really cool way. So, and that's just one tiny example. I know we'll talk about that a little bit more. I just wanted to just say thank you for, for paying attention to that. And I, and I hope it provides a great platform for others as well. But back to your question of how I got where I am today and, and we'll find out with the listeners if it's interesting or not. I think it is. I think it's pretty wild actually. And I'm one of those stubborn guys that pretty much does whatever I want, if it feels right and it doesn't hurt anyone. Right. So I'm not going to go be violent. But if a rule doesn't make sense to my logical side of my brain, you can forget about it. I'm going to ignore that all day long. And so I've, I've ended up in some unique situations and some unique places. I guess to start, I think it's important for people to understand, especially the kids of today. But also, let me you know, maybe I should take out especially and go especially the parents today, but also emphasize that it's important that the kids learn, because there was a generation where. We, I think the, our parents and, our, and the parents before them, there was a generation that felt like a lot of manufacturing kind of hurt them. And what I mean by that is a lot of products were being offshored and done in other places, right? And, and a lot of jobs were lost. And so people got stuck being, you know, having this education or having this, this technical ability, but there was no job for it because so much stuff was being offshored for the last couple of generations. And we're just starting to realize again how significant it is that we can create here at home, that we can build here at home, that we can restore here at home. And the reason I'm explaining this is because part of where I come from and part of what I'm about to share is all inclusive into that awareness and realization and really just this massive passion that ultimately goes back to wanting to help people, right? So as I was growing up, I didn't grow up so easily. And you're welcome to 
to interrupt me at any point and be like, are you serious right now? Or wherever you want to do, you're welcome to interrupt me, brother, at any time. But, you know, I grew up in a situation that didn't have a lot of money, not a lot of opportunity. The only thing that I grew up with really was a stubborn mind and soccer skills. So my whole life, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player, which, as everyone can see, did not work out. I wasn't quite good enough. I played in college. I was on, you know, like the All-American team, you know, things like that. But it's just a a completely different level of understanding when you get to the real elite, the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, right? And due to that factor, I needed to get a job. And I just so happened to hop into the world of manufacturing because the company had the best insurance around. I needed insurance. I needed to take care of my beat up soccer body. So at that time, by default, no degree. Um, Actually, to be fair, I got kicked out of three colleges. I want that not to be looked down upon. I want it to be looked at with authenticity because a message I want to create for people outside of this industry right now that think that they may not have hope, there is. You can come into this industry. If your father you know, doesn't provide a, a massive or your mother doesn't provide a massive amount of income for you, if you happen to be on the wrong side of the tracks, as people say, and you don't believe there's any opportunity, whether it be, you know, jail or whatever, whatever it might be, right? What your future is, is what we can create. We can, we can massively create whatever future we want. And so for me admitting, I got kicked out of three colleges thinking that I was going to be a soccer player and never graduated. I want that message to be shared. I want it to have volume. And I want people who think that they're going through a similar situation to go, well, shoot, if he's traveled the world to over 50 countries and learned and worked with some of the most elite companies on the planet, like the Googles and the Teslas and the, the SpaceX and the Apples, and he got kicked out of three colleges, then maybe I can do it too, right? So that's the message I want to provide. Now, to become the person that I am today, and you mentioned this as well, with a lot of the direction and posts that I make have to do in the direction of compassion, caring, unity, doing good for one another. When I was a Early 20s, I more or less died in the hospital. Viral pneumonia took my life, suffocated my lungs. I've had friends killed at a young age. I've had family members lost at a young age. There were a lot of trials and tribulations that happened from about age 21 to about 25 or so, right? And there was a lot of suffering, to be fair. A lot of emotional suffering, you know, and and that emotional suffering started to, to suffocate me. And What I did, which not everyone can do, but how I found my way out of a really dark place was through music. And I was never good at it, but I actually performed hip hop music for almost a decade. And some people go, hip hop music? What in the world? You do not look like a hip hop guy. And I don't. And it was by default because before I got kicked out of college, I wrote poetry for the newspaper. And I cannot sing no matter how bad I'd love to sing, but it's awful. So by default, I could say words in rhymes and I needed to get some things off of my chest, some of my suffering that I was going through. So that therapeutic situation just was incredibly powerful. And I'm going to kind of leave it there because I, I, I don't want to talk too much because I value your opinion and your segues as well, my friend. But that's kind of the very beginning of my journey before I became a machinist, before I switched into a different style of machining, before I started traveling around, and before what I'm doing today, a lot of it came from absolute suffering, which is kind of how duality works. How do we know what a good apple tastes like if we've never tasted a bad apple? You know what I mean? How do we know these differences if we don't get to experience these differences? So I am 
extremely grateful for the hardships and the amount of hardships I went through at one time to allow me to appreciate all the greatness that's around me right now. That's really cool. I love how you've taken your life experiences and some of the, you know, the, the tough things you, you went through as a, as a child and into your early adult life and, and figured out how to turn that into something positive, not only for yourself, but in the message you kind of broadcast for, for the world and, and particularly for the manufacturing world. So you, know, you mentioned you got into manufacturing because you needed insurance and you found a job and they had insurance. But tell me, like, I mean, you're a guy who kind of oozes passion for what you do. It's very clear. What was it once you got into manufacturing that made you say like, yeah, this is for me. This is, this is where I'm going to take my, my career from here. That's a, that's a really excellent question, Joe. It really is. And the reason it's an excellent question is because I wasn't that guy on day one who said, Ooh, we, I can't wait to do this for the rest of my life because I was running a punch press and I was dirty every day. And all the cliches that I'm trying to get people to not think about was actually what I went through. You know, I was programming on a, a 1.44 megabyte. And every time I bring that up, somebody else goes, yeah, but you got to skip the tape programming. Yes, I did. I did get to skip the tape programming. But on an early age, you know, we were on the you know older machines and we were making all of the offsets, all of the programming, all of the adjustments were just, we typed them in ourselves line by line until we really upgraded and started using Excel. If that tells you how advanced that, that company was at that time. My passion for this company, of this this industry came really much later. It was more of survival at, at, at the beginning, right? I needed a job and I needed to make more money and then I needed to make more money. And then I, because, you know, then families and then lifestyle and that kind of thing. So starting on a punch press, the first thing I ever did was push two buttons on the right and left with both of my hands. If I didn't, then maybe I'd you know, cut my finger off. So that was a safety measure. A piece of plexiglass came down and it would punch a circular hole into a flat sheet of precious metal. And that precious metal could have been gold, silver, palladium, platinum, whatever it might be. The first industry I worked in was precious metals. And while I was there, I always have, I've always had the passion to be successful, right? It's not necessarily been in manufacturing to start, but it was to do something cool, to do something fun. So within that company, I said, how can I be the best version of myself that I can be? And I don't need to compete with the person next to me or the person who's been here for a million years. I just need to be the best version of myself. How do I do that? So I picked the highest senior programmer in our department, and he was kind enough to teach me a lot of his wisdom of how to make edits and offsets and programming and understanding G code and M code. And, and I ended up running that department after a while. And while running that department, I also had the great opportunity to you know be a part of company com improvement committees. And then there was this thing called I Think Software, which most people haven't heard of, but most people have heard of Six Sigma. So if you think of lean manufacturing, 5S, Six Sigma, it's a lot of graphs, it's a lot of charts, it's a lot of theory of what we believe. I Think Software is where you take that put it, that algorithm into a computer and that computer will actually run that flow chart to see if you're right, to see if the bottlenecks really are where they're supposed to be. So I had the great opportunity to be in charge of that, to learn the lean manufacturing side of things. At that time, I had designed seven, I want to say, seven different rings, which were patented by the company. So my designs ended up being patented by that company. And it was really just an exciting thing, these different, these different aspects, right? But it was a family-owned company. And at some point, when you can't grow anymore, you either 
start becoming stagnant or make a move. Right. And I chose to make a move. So from there, I went into to steels and ink canals and brass. And I, it was the first time I ran a Haas machine and I taught myself how to run it. It was a VF six. I remember vividly. And we were running, you know, giant steel circular parts for the radiator coil industry two very tiny parts as well. And uh, it was a lot of drilling, milling, that kind of stuff. I burnt up a few end mills at that time, figuring out, wait, this, this machine's a little different than platinum. You know, I might've been considered in the top 5% in the world of understanding how to machine platinum, but I'm probably in the negative 5% of understanding how to machine steel. So let's figure this out. So I had the great opportunity to do steels and ink and and brasses and aluminum and play in that world. That didn't last too long because the opportunity at that place, it just, the ceiling was low and I get bored easily if I'm not learning. So then I moved into the woodworking world and helped run a machine shop that was four acres and it was completely new machinery, right? So I was learning now on a CR Onsrud, who I, I love those machines based in North Carolina. So a router machine, cutting out the wood panels for doors for there. I started learning sanding lines and paint lines and all this other kind of stuff. And then somehow through growth in that company, I ended up becoming an interior designer, believe it or not. Oddly enough, while working in the world of woodworking, we were building custom cabinetry for anyone, whether it be kitchens, living rooms, bathrooms, whatever it might be. And they saw, I guess, a little bit of, I don't want to say like a spark, but drive, let's say. There was always a drive to want to do more. And it wasn't that I wanted to leave the shop floor. I just wanted to learn more. So a few small steps here and there, and I ended up being the right-hand man of the owner. And, and we'd have customers come in and I'm trying to try to describe this so the listeners can envision it, right? So we're sitting in a conference room and these customers come in, you know, they're getting ready to build a $150,000 custom kitchen because that's when the owner sits down, right? So we have my laptop and connected to my laptop is a big monitor so that the customers can see the screen while I'm designing it. And I'm supposed to be able to design a kitchen as quickly as they can talk about it, which is what I figured out how to do. So as quickly as you can say, I want this here and this here and this here, boom, boom, boom. We were moving this thing around and it was uh, called Cabinet Vision, Cabinet Vision 4.0. A really, really a cool opportunity. But then I also started to realize kind of going full circle back to how you introduced this whole thing of I've always been stubborn and I always want to do something that's going to make me happy and give back to others in a passionate way. So I put everything in a U-Haul. I left that job. I drove south to Florida because I wanted to live on vacation. Forgot to mention all of that was in the Virginia, D.C. area that I just talked about. Drove down to Florida because I wanted to live on vacation. Had no job, no place to live. My wife was six months pregnant at that time. We really just wanted to live on vacation. And it took me 18, 20 hours to make the drive. Slept for about five hours, took on three interviews, and all three companies hired me. And the one that I took was Air Turbine Technology. And for those people who don't know Air Turbine Technology, that was when I got to learn micro machining. I mean, the realm of 10 thousandths, 15 thousandths, a millimeter of 40 thousandths, or 0.03937. That was the world I lived in for the last decade, which took me to see so many unique people. And that was when. That was when that connection, Joe, that the original question you asked me before I had this really long-winded answer that I'm doing right now, <laughs> that is when I started to find a passion for the industry itself because I saw 
the success that we were creating for companies, the success that was being created, created success for the employees. The success for the employees meant that they could go home and feed their family and not stress about a job. And I started to see this, this small picture. I was staring at a small screen and then it's like I got wings and I was able to look at a global version of what manufacturing and engineering actually can do to stabilize not just households, which is incredibly important, but e economies. And, and you don't have to worry about necessarily if we go to, a, and there's nothing against college, Joe, nothing against college. So let me echo that again for people who are going to college, for parents who want their kids to go to college. College is awesome. The experience is awesome. If that's for you, do it. However, I would like to say that it's very important for people to realize that you can go to a tech school right now, right now, and you will walk out of that tech school with either zero or very little student loans walking out of it. You'll go right into a job because there's a massive skills gap where you can instantly make forty dollars to $80,000 a year and you have something that you don't have to stress about not having tomorrow. This industry needs more people. And if we can convey these types of messages, then we're helping. And we're not just helping an economy. We're helping people. We're helping humans. We're helping households. To me, that's what's so beautiful and amazing about it. I love that. I love the passion that's in your voice. It's just very clear that, you know, you really believe in what you're talking about. And it's it's a good transition into a question I wanted to ask you because, you know, like I mentioned at the very beginning here, I, I see your LinkedIn content all the time. You're always curating videos. And a lot of the things I see you post are, you know, videos you're sharing that are then getting, you know, thousands of views and hundreds of comments. But it's a lot of it is people who are doing good in the world through engineering and manufacturing. And just for you know, a couple examples, these ones are, I think, both you posted in the last week, videos you shared. One of them, I remember it was a, it looked like maybe a six-year-old girl. I've got a six-year-old daughter at home. So like, I see that and it hits home with me, but this is a six-year-old girl on a treadmill without fully formed arms or legs. And she's running on a treadmill with the help of manufactured limbs. And then there was another one you posted. It was a soon-to-be mom who was blind and she's holding a 3d printed model of her ultrasound photo with like, you know, just tears in her eyes, like that she can feel, you know, this baby and this picture of, of her baby that, that is on the way. And so, you know, they're, they're micro examples of the good that engineering is doing in the world and, and, and manufacturing. And so I, I would love for you to just kind of, you know, what is it that inspires you to share this? What, you know, talk about this topic of engineering for good and why it's so important to you. It's really a great question. Again, you're, you're fantastic at, at your podcasting, brother, and you're 15 years in the making and what you're doing at G76. I'd like to say thank you to you as well and to your team and, and allowing people to have a voice. You know, we, we, a lot, everyone has a story, right? And everyone wants to share their story to people who actually listen. The problem is most of us don't listen anymore. We always, we're either, you know, on our phones looking down or, or ignoring people or, you know, we, we forget how important it is to listen to one another. So thank you for doing what you're doing very much. And I mean that a lot. I'm going to share a couple of stories with you, brother. When I suffocated and when I lost a lot of people in my life and, and I grew up not being the best version of myself at all, I was a troublemaker. And as I started to realize in life, and this might sound a lot of you know weird to our general audience who's in manufacturing and engineering, but I have my, both sides of my brain work actively all the time. The creative side with natural healing, the engineering side with numbers and algorithms. 
So it's always constantly working. I'm always trying to figure out how can I balance all of, of what I want to be, right? So due to my upbringing, let's say, the way that I grew up and not being the nicest person, I feel like some of that karmic energy brought about some of the negative things in my life, or let's not say, let's say learning experiences, because nothing's really negative. It's just, I'm either going to learn from it, or it's going to be easy to get through. Let's make that choice. You know what I mean? So due to that, I realized that when I was kinder, nicer, cared about others, when I gave, I received more. Every time I give, I received more. I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you three stories. And they're three quite simple stories, but I'm going to tell you three stories. First one is, I was having a bad day. I was in San Francisco. I woke up grumpy. I had no idea why. I just, the day was crap. It was already crap. Maybe it was something I had done the day before. Maybe I didn't make a, a sale that I thought I was going to sell for a customer. Maybe I broke something. I, I, I don't remember, but I remember waking up feeling like crap. And I said, what can I do? Well, I walked over to the local McDonald's, not something I personally eat at, but something that's inexpensive and can be shared. So I walked over to the local McDonald's, I bought $50 worth of whatever their breakfast items were, you know, egg McMuffins or whatever. And I walked around Golden Gate Park and I handed them out. And with every one I handed out, the hugs, the joy, everything that came along with it just helped me feel happier and happier and happier. So giving and receiving are absolutely symbiotic in how it works. And that was just one small example. Another time this guy had he, he was having a bad drug experience in Southern California. And he was freaking out and I went to get gas and he was, I mean, he was, he was struggling, sweating like crazy. Not a drug that I've ever participated in, but I, I recognize it based on trying to do my best to help people on a regular basis. Right. So I've seen these types of situations. He was scared for his life. He did not want to be there. Nobody, nobody in their right mind was going to help the kid, but I let him get in my car and I drove him around for 45 minutes. He did not want to get out. He just wanted to, to be away from whoever he thought was chasing him, which was nobody, but that's what he thought. So I drove around for 45 minutes, listening to him talk, helping him go through his bad trip, trying to offer him the most authentic and compassionate version of myself so that he knew that when he left that car, that everything was going to be okay. And after about 45 minutes, that's what it was. So I ended up dropping him off in a lighted area. I had never saw him since, of course, and I didn't get his number or anything, but it was just an opportunity to face my own fears, which is at any point, this guy could hurt me, right? At any point. Now to the climax of the three stories is this last one, Joe, you're going to like it. And actually uh, uh, some people on a show called Hidden Heroes actually found this story and interviewed me about six, seven, maybe four, five, six, seven, I don't remember, a few years ago. And I'm going to preface this with my younger brother, who's two years younger than me, ended up being diagnosed with schizophrenia and burnt down our house when I was about 20 years old. So when our house burnt down and I knew that he had schizophrenia and he spent a year in jail and I visited him all the time, I started studying schizophrenia. Well, what can I do to help? I mean, that's my best friend. That's my, it's two years. We grew up together. I love the kid. Freaking, what do I do? You know, there's no real answers, but we're, you know, I'm homeless at the time. I'm sleeping in my car. I'm very, very lucky sleeping on the street some. And I'm very, very lucky to have such beautiful friends in my life that I didn't stay on the streets very long. They let me crash at their pads. So I'm grateful for that. But what I learned was of all the schizophrenia out there, of all the doctors out there, less than 2% study schizophrenia. And of those 2%, there is no cure. So for the rest of my brother's life, he's going to be shoved pills down his throat to become passive so he doesn't burn down other houses. 
And he's always going to hear the voices and see the visions of what I believe to be a pineal gland chemical drip. Uh, some people understand what DMT is. Some people don't, but it's a drip in our brain that helps us experience things that are outside of our third dimensional reality. That's not manufacturing. So I'm going to skip past that part and use that for another podcast. But it does segue into me understanding that about 80% of the people on the street right now that are homeless have some sort of mental illness. And that could be gambling and it could be, you know, some sort of, it, it could be a lot of things, right? But there's it's some sort of mental illness where they can't carry out a job. Some of it's scams. It's not for me to judge. I always want to help. But because I knew that situation and I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I walked out of a bar. And for whatever reason, this homeless guy is sitting there. I was in whatever mood I was in, which was a good mood. It felt right to do everything that I could to take care of that person. So I asked that homeless person who I'd never met before if he'd like to crash for the next two nights in my hotel room, gave him my clothes, got him room service, made sure he was warm, brushed his teeth, you know, all that kind of stuff. When I went to work during the day, I asked him to leave and I would see him when I got back from work. But that also was one of those opportunities that I had where it was like, okay, you know, mental illness is rampant with homeless people. You just invited someone in who could be very similar to your brother without medicine, who could be very aggressive. So for me, I wouldn't recommend it for other people. But for me, I was in one room laying in my bed. He was on another room laying on the couch. And I had a moment where I go, is today going to be my last day? Is all my stuff going to get taken from me? And nothing bad happened. It was just this fear of creation that I was, I was building within myself that wasn't reality. It could be reality, but it wasn't reality. And so facing these types of fears and helping these types of people, I want to do everything that I can to, I don't know, subscribe is the right word or, you know, just infiltrate some of the school. I, I want to provide a platform of knowledge so that kids can have a future within an industry that is incredibly important to the world. And when they go home every day, they'll be proud of what they do. So the short answer, which I just gave you a very long one, but the short answer is why do I care and why manufacturing is because I've suffered a lot and I know what it's like to suffer. I want to give to others. And in the world we live in of manufacturing, I know that that's a solid platform for people to feel proud of themselves, to feel grateful for what they do, to feel grateful for what they built, to say, I have this piece of material in my hand right now. This piece of material cost me $25. Now I can program something and cut some pieces where I turn this $25 piece of material into a thousand dollar piece of art. And it's going to go onto a plane or it's going to go into the medical field. I want parents when somebody goes, hey, what's your kid do? Oh, my kid's a pilot and they puff out their chest. Yeah, we're proud of the pilots. Awesome. We need you. I fly around all the time. But I also want the parent next to them to go, well, what's your kid do? Puff out your chest. Oh, he's an engineer. He helped build that plane. I want people to be equally as proud of the doctor's and the people who are making the medical devices. I want that awareness to grow so that we're proud of each other for what we do. Love that message, Tony. I think it's really great. I think we need more people like you spreading the word and, and painting manufacturing in a, in a you know more positive light. And I've seen a lot of people talk about this from different angles. You know, The technology that's, that's available to people now, it's not just dirty, dark, dangerous jobs. Like There's, there's so much interesting things happening on the technology front. There are great jobs that, I mean, you mentioned earlier too, that 
are, are paying people well straight out of high school and, and like college may not be for everybody. And that doesn't mean because you're not smart enough or be, it means because maybe that that's just not the path that makes sense for you. And, and it has nothing to do with how intelligent you are or not. And, and I love the, you know, just that your, your perspective on, on this, that, you know, you can do something meaningful and make a difference in people's lives. That's kind of what I'm gathering from this, from you and, and manufacturing is a great venue for making that a reality. Yeah, brother, you nailed it. I mean, you nailed it. And you mentioned earlier the girl that had, you know, not fully developed limbs and and the blind lady who, you know, was able to get that 3D print. There was one, you know, I, I try to share something like that as often as like a Monday motivational type thing, right? Because a lot of people want to see how cool the machines are. They love hearing the interviews from MTD. Holy crap, that person just combined three operations to reduce the a cycle time by 75%. How did they do it? So Obviously, our industry needs that, you know, but also from time to time, let's realize what we're creating. Let's realize that, oh, did you see that kid that cried when he got those contacts because he was actually able to see color for the first time in his life? Did you see that kid who never heard anything ever before pop that hearing aid in his ear for the first time and cried because he could actually hear? You know what I mean? So these are the things that we are creating, the world of engineering. We can create anything. I mean, we have nature, we have air, we have you and me, we have people. But when you really think of it, we create almost everything. And we can absolutely destroy this world or we can make this world an incredible place. That's, that's the creation of what we want to do. And I just, I, I'd love to be an advocate to showcase people, say, you know what? You want to do something in your life to give back to others, you can do that in engineering. And while I see a lot of signs out there, you know, saying heroes work here, and I want to give credit to all of our medical field for the last, you know, year and a half and, and our delivery drivers and our truckers and all these people who really, you know, have done, you know, been brave and gone out there and done what they're supposed to do. I also think it's important that we recognize that engineering didn't stop. Ventilators came from engineers. Masks come from engineers. You know, all of this stuff come from engineers. And it takes a piece of ourselves to realize that and help express that to the world. Because while we love movies and TV shows, and these are our heroes and these musicians, and we're like, I'm going to get away from my normal life and I'm going to go to the Red Rocks out in Colorado and I'm going to watch Michael Franti sing and I'm going to, you know, dance around. Yeah, that's awesome. We should support that type of environment. But also, Let's look at one another. Let's look at each other. Give each other a high five or a giddy up, which I call smack on the butt. Give them a giddy up and say, you know what? You are awesome, too. Look at everything you've created. Let's let's do these things. Awesome, man. Well, I, I love the message, Tony. I think it's really great. I appreciate you allowing me to share it. For sure. Well, anything anything you want to say to put a bow on this? I think you did did a pretty good job of that already, but I, I want to open the floor to you in case there's anything you 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 want to add that I didn't ask you about. Are we getting ready to close out this podcast already? Have we been talking for three hours? That man, I talk a lot, don't I? Three three hours exactly on the dot. Just kidding. Uh, well, I guess just real quick, if it's okay, let's make sure that we're not crabs in a bucket for the people who are listening out there. Yes, there's competition. Competition will make us better. Competition is important, but let's not yank each other down. Let's create a platform where we can all we can all succeed. In my opinion, every marketing company out there that would be quote unquote competitors with MTD. Please don't look at yourselves that way. Please don't look at me that way. I'm not looking at you that way. I want us all to bring awareness to this incredible industry. 
And if I may just touch on one last thing, the natural healing company that I started going back to helping people again, was studying with herbalists and witch doctors and shamans and all my free time as I traveled around the world. So there's a lot of secret healing benefits to that. But I, I launched that company because I wanted to be able to give back to the earth and to people and to animals and anything that suffers. So for not 100% right now, but for a while, for three or four years, 100% of the profits went to those in need. It went to Give Kids the World, a marine mammal center, and to take care of the Amazon. And that's why it was created. And I'm happy to say since 2014 to now, starting July 10th, we will open our first brick and mortar shop as we have partnered with the largest natural healing community in the entire country called Hippocrates here in West Palm Beach. So that is my conclusion, brother. I appreciate you having me. Awesome, man. Congratulations. That's that's really cool. Well, very good. Tony, good conversation. Again, I just love your enthusiasm and passion and glad we got to get you up on stage here to l- let the world see it. So before we wrap it, I just want, want you to tell our audience, you know, where can they go connect with you? How, how can they learn more about what you're doing and all the, the elements of what, what's going on in your life? Well, I'm pretty easy to find on LinkedIn. I can obviously be messaged there anytime. I'm not going to shout out my phone number or my home address, but I do give it out regularly and my personal number is on my business card. So if someone sends me a message on LinkedIn and it's something that we want to discuss over the phone or over a Zoom meeting, I am as authentic and transparent and human with all of my flaws as I can be. And I'm happy to connect with anyone who wants to connect. Obviously, I have, you know, the Instagram as well and Facebook, but I rarely use them as much as I do LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is a a powerful platform to connect with really, you know, wise people in a situation that hasn't been watered down like some of the other platforms. I I really value something like YouTube and LinkedIn and, and the algorithms that go along with it so that we're not just, you know, yelling at each other over some silly opinion that we have zero degrees in, right? We don't, we don't really know, but we definitely have an opinion about it. So I, I enjoy LinkedIn. So look me up there. I think my backslash is, you know, linkedin.com backslash Tony Gun 14 or something like that. But just look up MTD CNC, MTD CNC Global. You'll find us. Let's all be friends. Easiest way, I think. Awesome, Tony. Well, thank you once again. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.